The Insulone Podcast is brought to you by Cybionics, an emerging CGM brand that focuses on simplifying how individuals aged 18 and above monitor and control their blood sugar levels. Upon becoming available on the market, the Cybionics GS1 CGM has helped users worldwide navigate the complexities of diabetes management with more confidence and peace of mind. Thanks to Cybionics, now more people are able to view and share their real-time glucose data, receive customizable glucose alarms, and generate full AGP reports, all directly from an intuitive Cybionics app, empowering them with the necessary information to make better decisions about their health. Cybionics combines data accuracy and comfort of wear, which is important to us all, with a feature-rich app. The 14-day scanning-free and calibration-free Cybionics GS1 CGM aims to deliver reliable, seamless diabetes management experiences. For more, check out CybionicsCGM.com. This is the Insulone Podcast, where I, Owen Costello, try to redefine diabetes. In this week's episode, in my opinion, it's not acceptable for people not to be given the tools that they need to manage this condition because it's every single second of every single day. It's not just every now and then. I feel so passionate about this. But before we get into that, everything you hear on the Insulone podcast is from my own personal experience. And if you have any worries or issues regarding your diabetes, please contact a medical professional. Now, let's get stuck into this episode. How's it going? And welcome back to the Insulone Podcast. It is always a pleasure to have you with us on this podcast. And I'm just going to say what just happened because sometimes sometimes me and Graham pretend to be professional all the time. Mm. Um, and well, partic- more so Graham because Graham, his profession is radio is audio he hmm. is quote unquote a professional but quote. i've almost lost count the amount oh. of times graham has made some ir- let's just call it stupid error <laughs> but we were re-recording because his microphone wasn't on and i couldn't hear him correctly but saying that i should have noticed too but we are here the, the software back. This software annoys me sometimes. It should just automatically go to the microphone that is plugged in. Why would I else plug in a microphone if I didn't want to use it? Um, but look, you think it would be automatic. You know what? We're blaming the software when it's our fault. It's our fault. And I have to take blame. It's my fault. But you were just saying there how you have got a standing desk. And I was very intrigued by your reasoning behind it. Because basically, you were saying in the last one that we recorded that you were <laughs> too comfortable, which is the most ins- uh, insulone thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm using a standing desk right now because I feel as if when I'm sitting down, because I'm, I'm obviously working a lot throughout the day, and I feel as if when I'm sitting I'm too comfortable. Yeah. And when I'm too comfortable, I'm more inclined to fade in and out of work and like, you know, spend time scrolling on social media. And these are things I don't want to do. So I feel as if when I'm standing, I have to be engaged more in what I do. Um, And so far it's been two days and I've been quite productive. So I I can't really complain. I did something very Owen Costello yesterday. You would have been proud of me. I went to the gym with my friend, and you know him before as well, John Salmon. 
Ah, yeah. So we went to the gym and after the gym, now I was extremely hungover because I was out the night before and we went to the gym at 10 o'clock in the morning and there's nowhere else I didn't want to be than there, but we did it. <laughs> we got it done. I felt yeah. horrendous. And afterwards went to the plunge pool. Oh, nice. And it was sold to me as we'll go in, do one dip and get out. That'll wake you up because then I have to drive from Mayo back to Dublin, which is a which ended up being a four hour journey yesterday. And he was like, we'll just go into the, so we went to the plunge pool. I was like, oh my God, this is horrendous. Like, get your head under, get your head under. So, okay, I'll get my head under. Then he goes, okay, we'll go into the sauna. Done in the sauna. Okay, back in the plunge pool. I go, oh no, oh, come on, please. No, he goes, oh, back in the plunge pool. Right, sound. We'll go now. I will just go into the steam room before we leave. <laughs> in the steam room. Okay, oh, do we have to go to the plunge pool before we leave again? So three times in the plunge pool. I thought my legs were going to fall off. They were like ice. You would you would have loved it. Unreal. You would. How did you feel afterwards? To be fair, I did feel good. I did feel very good. But at the time, it's that whole classic thing where you are uh, you're like, oh, just get me out of here, just get me out of here, just get me out of here. But then afterwards, it's like, ah, oh, well, the end justifies the means. So it did. And how without a doubt, and particularly if the head was a bit sore from a few drinks the night before. Yeah. If see if you swim in cold water, even having a cold shower after a few drinks the night before it's unbelievable it's hands down the best way to cure a hangover is to just like get in cold water it's uncomfortable for a couple minutes and then you're fine you could stay there all day actually speaking of hangovers there's one person who you had up on your instagram who looks like he hasn't had a hangover in about six months <laughs> <laughs> who is that guy who is your uh, your client who you had up he is in incredible shape what was this? Last night's post? I think it was last night. So Sunday, uh, Monday night, the, the bank holiday in Ireland. Yeah, so that is Martin. He is a, a member, well, a client of ours, a member of our program. And he's just a, a machine. Like the physical progress that he's made in a very, very short space of time, at, quite visually, is mm. unbelievable. And where, like I'm almost getting lost, already getting lost on my words or lost with my words because it's like I don't know where to start with him. He's just unbelievable. Like the physical progress that Martin has made is just the tip of the iceberg in terms of what he's done, like physically, mentally and emotionally with his diabetes over the last number of months. He's lived with diabetes for over 19 years and he's been working with us for, I think, four or five months and historically he has been time and range below 50 40 percent consistently mm. his a1c is consistently just admittedly been far too high and admittedly again he he is very open with the fact that for years he just didn't manage his diabetes put it on the back burner pretended it wasn't there pretended it wasn't important and unfortunately he is currently living with some of the consequences of that. So he has quite severe neuropathy in his feet and his legs. And that kind of has a, an impact on him can each day. I, can I ask what is neuropathy? Yeah, so it's like, it's nerve damage essentially to your feet and your legs. Um, and as a result, he he can't balance as well as he should be able to. He like He's lost a lot of sensation in his feet and his legs too. Um, and obviously, understandably, that has had an impact on how he feels mentally and emotionally. Mm. But 
the transformation that he has made in four or five months has just been unbelievable. Like he's now 90% plus time and range every day, every week, every month. His A1C is the lowest it's ever been. He's the leanest and strongest he's ever been, <laughs> which is quite obvious in the photos. He's insane. But, but the thing that stands out the most, and I actually had a one-to-one call with Martin just this morning. Um, he just he feels completely differently about his diabetes. And he was like, what he said to me was, I don't even mind being diabetic anymore because his management is so routine. Class. And this is me trying to be like, oh, our pro- program is fantastic. Like, our program is fantastic, but I'm, I'm just saying, the, like, Martin's progress mentally, emotionally, physically is just proof and inspiration for me and for anybody else out there in any way related to type 1 diabetes that you can quite literally take action on your health at any moment, no matter how long you've had it. You can turn things around so, so, so quickly. And Martin basically announced to our group, we have like a a private group, private WhatsApp group for the program for type 1%. And he just announced in the group today that he's doing a challenge where he's cycling. It was either either 200 or 400 miles in the month of April. Wow. Yeah. So he's a, he's a beast. I know you're saying you're not you're, you're talking about him being in the program, but if you do want to learn more about the Type One Percent program, I think the links are in the description below, and also you can just DM Type One Percent to Owen on Instagram to chat more about it there as well. But I love seeing those stories come up on Instagram, see more and more of them, and it just it, he just caught my eye last night. I was like, his transformation is insane, and I just knew he'd have an incredible story uh, behind yeah. him. And as and- you say, he definitely does. And even with that, like in terms of his story, what we do inside the program as well, it's like when somebody has an unbelievable transformation, whether it be physically, mentally, emotionally, A1C, time and range, whatever, we do these things called client hot seats where basically we do a live group Zoom training where we go through like their journey up to this point. And it's such a good way for other people in the program to see how other people operate, how other people navigate their diabetes around whatever sort of lifestyle they have. And Martin did one with us. Um, and he just, he kind of got deep into the the mental and emotional sides, which was quite insightful and um, just really valuable for everybody because we all live with type one, you know. Yeah. Um, but Martin, if you're listening, and I know you do listen to the podcast, absolute credit to you. It's uh, unbelievable. So well done class. Nice one, Martin. Right. Let's move on because I want to read an email that is absolutely mammoth and <laughs> it could take us a while to get through. I So this is what I'm going to do. You, I know, Owen, you haven't read it. I'm going to read it. There's a lot in it. And Owen, if any stage you want to jump in because there's no way I'm going to be able to read it and then you're going to remember because it's four pages long. Oh, so wow, at any okay. point, you just jump in, cut me off, put your hand up. I'll keep an eye on the camera and if you want to say something and we'll get going. But it's from a gentleman called George Marzoni, absolutely deadly name, and the subject is starting my type 1 diabetic journey. So here we go. And um, listener, long time and dedicated listeners to the podcast will know that I always mess up reading out emails. I, I, was, I was just about to say. But I tell you. I was, I was waiting. You, I was actually waiting for when I could jump in and say, for anybody who listens to this podcast, you know 
that Graham can't read can't read emails without tripping over his words but when i saw this one come through i go oh georgie boy you have done me dirty here with this lengthy email <laughs> but i guarantee you you won't hear any of the mistakes because graham will edit them out and it'll sound <laughs> yeah. flawless but just know there'll be a lot of struggling in the background <laughs> all right here Let's we go, go. dear owen and graham my name is George Marzoni. I'm a new listener from Flint, Michigan, USA. I've been consuming episode... Oh no, I've skipped the end. <laughs> Absolutely love it. I was waiting. I was, wait- I was waiting how- to see how long it would take. I'm, I'm working off one screen here and I'm trying to get it all minimized. All right. Good Perfect. start. Good start. Second, second we apologize, George. Second sentence. I've been consuming episode after episode of your show and it has been a huge source of information and encouragement for me as I begin this journey. While I realize that the majority of my type 1 diabetic self-care involves my own trial and error, that process can be incredibly overwhelming at the start. I was recently diagnosed in late October 2022. I had gone to the hospital emergency room after becoming violently ill and spending an entire day with severe lower abdominal pain. I spent hours alone in the ER waiting room, having to draw and redraw blood multiple times, still in pain and unable to even keep water down. Finally, I was fully admitted into the ER. I was shocked when the doctor came in and asked me, how long have you been diabetic? I remember blinking up at him and just saying, what? I thought I'd heard wrong. So many thoughts flew through my mind as I lay there alone in that bed. How could I be diabetic at the age of 30? How could I have missed the symptoms? I'd gained some weight over the past few years, but I'd always been fairly active and had actually shed a few pounds recently. Had I really been neglecting my health that badly? It wasn't until about a day later that I learned I was type 1 and that while I'd always been diabetic, it simply hadn't expressed itself until there was a major strain on my immune system. Putting the pieces together, I realised that it had been almost two years exactly since I had COVID-19 which along with the typical flu symptoms had interestingly also come with the unique symptom of stabbing abdominal pain for about a day and a half, a sensation I now jokingly describe as my pancreas's last stand. <laughs> what do you think of that so far, Owen? There we go, COVID-19. There's already a lot in it. Yeah. But I think what jumps out at me is the fact that a doctor just came up to him and asked, how long have you been diabetic? Yeah. And George hadn't even yet been told that he had diabetes. Mental. Mental. <sighs> like what wasn't there a thing where you also said that you had some virus or something when you were younger? And mm. of course there's no known fact that, that there was a connection with it, but it's always in the back of your mind you're thinking, maybe there's a connection mm. between that. What was that again? Yeah, so when I was like ten days old, um I had some unusual virus um which was like very severe at the time and i was in in an incubator and they thought initially it was meningitis but it wasn't but i was in an incubator wasn't really looking good to Mm. put it that way um had to get like a lumbar puncture to try and identify what it was and these kind of things obviously i don't remember anything anything about it (laughs) my parents quite clearly do um but i had had a conversation with I think it was one of my endos before because obviously years of living with diabetes and years of my own even research into it, 
yes, there is no definitive cause. They can't say 100% this is the reason why you are type 1. But you will often hear that it could be as a result of a virus. Mm. So I have almost come to my own conclusion (laughs) that (laughs) the virus that I had essentially must have been laying dormant in my system for my life up to the age of 19 and then boom, whatever triggered it seemed to erupt it to continue with the volcanic um, descriptions. (laughs) We'll continue with George's email. (laughs) I was still in very rough shape. I had acute pancreatitis and learned I'd actually lost about 40 pounds nearly overnight because I was DKA. My A1C was 12.6 and my lipids were 4,400. I spent four days in the critical care unit with an entire array of IVs in one arm and I even had to have an arterial catheter in my other arm for my blood draws because my lipids were so high. At the end of that week, taking the one brief lesson I got in how to inject my insulin, I was launched back into the world that was suddenly full of uncertainty, having to teach myself about how and when to use my glucometer, learning how to count carbs, giving myself insulin and living alone were all things that filled me with anxiety. And I'm sure, Owen, you can relate to that. That first week when you come out, you're like, what? Mm. My life will now probably never be the same again. Mm. Yeah, that's almost what was just going through my head now listening to this email. It's like, oftentimes, not every time, but a lot of the time when you go to the hospital or you're rushed in for some some reason, like, you might go in, get something treated, and you're out. And it's like, oh, thank God, everything's okay. I'm, you know, I'm back to normal, quote yeah. unquote normal. Whereas, like, let's say you break, as I said, let's say you break your leg, you go in, maybe an operation, cast, you're kind of past it. Um, whereas with diabetes, it's like, well, this dramatic introduction, you're DKA, close to coma, you feel horrendous for weeks, maybe months leading up to it. You get this diagnosis and then you want that to be the end, but that's actually just the start. Yeah. So it's a an interesting introduction to a new life, to say the least. A major impact listening to your show has had is on my mindset. Listening to episodes like Turning a Negative into a Positive, Diabetes is My Reason, and A Parent's Perspective with Owen's Dad has offered me so much encouragement. I know that I'm still at the beginning of a very long road and that while there are some parts of type 1 diabetes that you have to go alone, I know I can handle that. I've even started learning to find things to thank my diabetes for. I actually have an adopted brother, 12 years older than myself, who has type 1 diabetes also, diagnosed in his early 30s. What are the odds? And this has certainly brought us even closer and he's become my main source of inspiration and information. When I'm uncertain or can't find answers for myself. Despite knowing that I would have to do a good deal of self-education, I've been very frustrated by the lack of information I've received from doctors, pharmacists, and educators. Multiple times I've had to look up something for myself, despite being told, your doctor or pharmacist will explain this to you. My latest example was learning how to use an injection pen. I'd even directly asked the pharmacist how to use the pen and was still sent off not being told about how to do an air purge and even without needles. I was prescribed a diabetes education course, which I was very excited to get into. This course turned out to be nearly useless for me. I understand understand that there are some overlaps between type 1 and type 2 care, but there are quite a few differences as well. After sitting in a classroom 
for a total of three sessions in nine hours. Not even 15% of that time was dedicated to type 1 diabetes care. For example, the necessity of exercise was stressed with a very brief warning about being below 100 or above 240. When I asked why being above 240 might be a problem, the instructor says, I don't know. and never got back to me. <laughs> there was absolutely no mention of having insulin on board, which could easily have led to some near fatal mistakes. So when I say that your show has been a lifesaver, it's no joke. Luckily, my brother warned me about this one too. Like when you even compare what you were talking about at the beginning of the podcast with the Type 1 Present program and this, it's like, but these people, this is their profession. Like, have you got experience like that? I know we've touched on that before and we've had other guests as well talk about the, it's like a vacuum of information when you're looking for it. Yeah, I've definitely had my own experiences with it. And because my life essentially is centered around diabetes one way or another, whether it be the podcast, like social media, the program, obviously that we run, like I, I hear this all the time. I honestly don't think, now this isn't me bad mouthing nurses, doctors or anything at all. It's just me stating a fact from my own experiences. I will rarely come across somebody who can confidently say, I have been given the tools that I need. And that's not a good thing Mm. because diabetes is a very serious condition when you get down to it. I know we, we talk about it here and we have a laugh and a joke because it's important to do that too. But the reality of it is it's a very serious condition and it's very important that people are able to manage it in the way that they need to manage it. And in my opinion, it's not acceptable for people not to be given the tools that they need to manage this condition because it's every single second of every single day. It's not just every now and then. Every now and then we're at risk of going low. Every now and then we're stressed out. Every now and then we're thinking about what the long term actually means. It's every single day. It's every single second. So it's important that people are given what they need. I feel so passionate about this. Uh, you you wouldn't have been able to see this, but when I was reading that, I was keeping an eye on Owen and I could just see him just nodding his head going, yeah, I've heard this all before. This is a way too familiar story that I'm hearing. Like the fact that the instructor says, I don't know. It's like, mm. what? How do you mean you don't know? You have to know. Mm. It's very serious. And again, it's not like, I almost need, I almost need to be careful of what I say because it's not a, an attack towards these people personally. It's just, stating the fact that these are vital points of information that people need to know. Like he, George even touched on in that, in that email, he wasn't told about insulin on board around exercise. Like that's quite literally the difference between life and death. Like if I take three units of insulin and then go out for a run, my blood sugar is going to plummet. And because I'm running, I might not feel the symptoms of that low blood sugar as easy as easily. Like that's not a good situation to be in. And that's vital information that people need to know about. 
Continue. I, like, I know I can see. Like, see like, oh, I, 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 like, oh, but and I, go on. I, it's just it's some it's just something that is so important, and I can't stress that enough. Like we try, like we do, we obviously do stresses on the podcast, but not every single type one diabetic that's alive listens to the podcast. Unfortunately, I wish they, I wish they did. Um, but it's, I don't know. It's just, it, it kills me a bit inside when somebody like George goes through the diagnosis that he went through, like the, the dramatic introduction into his life with diabetes, which he's just outlined so, so well in the email. It kills me that he's not given the tools that he needs. I'm not saying I have the solution to it worldwide, but there's a few pretty important things that everybody needs to know when they're first diagnosed. Will we continue? <sighs> yes, we should continue <laughs> before I jump out the window. <laughs> There'll be some meditation done after this episode <laughs> to rebalance. Oh. <laughs> right. No, and look, I I say this. No, you because, say it because you're passionate. I, I can say, see how I passionate say, yeah, and how annoyed you get yeah, by it yeah. because you, you you want people to yeah. look after. Well, I know, I know, I know. Oh, anyway, come on, right. let's go. <laughs> That's why we do the podcast, everybody. That's why we do the podcast. As I approached my 31st birthday, the day after Valentine's Day, ah, oh, it's next week. Happy birthday, George. Oh, nice. I will also be nearly four months post-diagnosis and approaching my first A1C after my discharge. Even with all the adjustments I've made in my diet and routine, I'm eating mostly low carb, getting better sleep and exercising at least a little every day, usually doing yoga due to the cold. I still doubt myself often that I'm not doing enough. My frequent listens have reminded me However, the type 1 diabetes is ever-changing and all you can do is take every day one step at a time. One blood glucose reading at a time. One shot, one high, one low at a time. Yet still make plans and goals, set your sights high and you can achieve them. For myself, my first goal has been to start training to get back onto the trails and literally climb mountains. In 2020 and 21, a couple of friends and I backpacked the Porcupine Mountains in Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Uh, and he's attached some photos as well onto that, onto the email. I know that backpacking with type 1 diabetes requires a lot of training, planning, and discipline in getting attuned to your body's needs. My hope is that in a year or so, I'll be ready to set foot on this adventure once more, armed with the knowledge, experience, and fierce determination. Thank you again. I can't wait to keep listening and sharing with you, my friends and family. George. Beautiful. That was good. George, what an what email. A man. What, what an a email. That sounds like a man. I know he, in his email he described it as he's only diagnosed for months, but he sounds like he's been diagnosed 40 years. Great that's knowledge. That's what I was just about to say. Great knowledge, was, great attitude, everything. I was just about to say, that's an email that would impress me coming from somebody who's been diabetic for 30 years. But for somebody who has just been diagnosed, essentially, blows my mind. And the thing that stands out the most and the thing that will take George further than anything else in his diabetic life is his mindset around it. 100%. And the fact that already he's highlighting 
one shot, one low, one meal, whatever, however way you phrased it. That's how I approach it. It's like, don't even worry about the long term because the long term is out of your control. Just worry about what you're doing right now, today, tomorrow, next week. But a uh, very impressive email. Do you know who that reminds you so of? much, George? Every now and again, you, uh, you chat someone or something like that and they really stand out. And I remember, and it was one of the best reactions we've had to a guest on. Do you remember Maya Kearney? Mm, yeah. She was just recently diagnosed uh, less than a year and her attitude and her, um, just her focus and her attitude and application towards her first year with type 1 diabetes was like, whoa, is this, is this woman been diagnosed 10 years? Yeah. And you've got those certain people who just have it and they're like, right, this is it. This is my life now. Let's just go with it. Let's try and consume as much information as I can and uh, make my life even better than it mm. was previously. And George there reminded me of Maya. So I'm sure a lot of people get a lot out of that. And happy birthday, George, for next happy week. Happy birthday, George. Birthday. Something you said there, Graham, that, that again jumps out at me is like, you said some people just have it, you know? Mm. And I agree with you in the sense that some people just almost in a way, like instinctively have a different response or reaction to things than somebody else may have. But even if someone doesn't have that like initial, let's deal with it. This is not, it's out of my control. Nothing I can do about it. Let's, let's get on with it. If you don't have that initial response or initial reaction, and it is something that hits you really hard and you find it incredibly difficult to deal with, mentally, physically, emotionally, you can still learn to approach it in a different way. Mm. It doesn't need to be an instinctive thing where it's like, I can face any challenge that comes my way because not everybody can. Not, well, myself included, I can't face every single challenge that, that comes my way. But much like training in the gym and like building yourself up physically, like you don't get strong physically by accident and you don't build endurance physically by accident. It, it takes work. It takes training. It takes being aware of how you want to improve. And it's the same with your mental and emotional around your diabetes. You don't just flick the switch and everything's fantastic. It takes work. And Martin, I think, again, is a perfect example of that. He's lived with it for 19 years, has probably hated his diabetes for 19 years. But in recent months, has just like completely flipped it around. And again, I'm saying that for anybody listening to this podcast who maybe right now is thinking, there's nothing positive about my diabetes. There's no, there's no way that I benefit from diabetes in my life at all. You have to dig deeper inside it to see what positive you can get. It's 100% there. You just need to identify what it is. There I am getting conceptual again, but I hope that makes sense. <laughs> that is why we love the emails, because they create and spark such good conversations. So if mm. you have a story at all, good, bad, yeah. indifferent, we would love to hear it on the Insulone podcast at gmail.com. And now I am absolutely loving standing up version of Owen. I could tell, I don't I think if you were sitting down in your seat, you wouldn't have got as into this episode <laughs> as you did. Not. This is a new Owen. This is a new Owen. Yeah. More energy. Get yeah. ready. Get ready. <laughs> new energy in the podcast. <laughs> right. We'll let you go, Owen.
Good stuff. Thank you, Graham, as always. And thank you to you for listening. Always appreciate your time. I know it's an invaluable resource. No, that's not what I'm trying to say. I know it's a... Asset. No. I know what you're trying to say. uh, A finite resource. That's what I meant to say. So your time is very valuable. That's, That's what I was trying to say. So we always appreciate you being with us for this half an hour, 60 minutes a week. We hope we get value from it. Take what you hear, take what you learn, and implement it quickly. That's where you benefit from. Have a good day. Have a good week. Look after your blood sugar. And we will chat to you shortly. Take it easy. I love you.